0: Um, I wasn't actually going to start with this, but after the song that we just sang, thank you, Ben, um, I I felt that God was saying that actually I need to just sort of start with with that. Um, About 35 years ago, I remember singing that song. It really is that old. (laughs) And it came to that last verse, that you have broken chains that bound me. And at that point, I didn't, Feel that. And I just walked out. And my youth leader, bless him, followed me out and prayed with me and let me sit and cry and what have you as you do. And I actually think that that speaks into where some of us are feeling this morning. You know, every time I sing that song, I can sing that with truth. You have broken chains that bound me. You've set this captive free. Um, And actually, as we look at Esther this morning, I think probably she would have felt a little bit like I did all that time ago, that actually I'm feeling chained up, I'm feeling trapped, I'm feeling stuck. I don't know where God is. And so I just wanted to share that before I shared what I'd already prepared this morning. Um, And actually Esther's not an easy book. It's been one of those books that's been sort of questioned and why is it in the Bible? In the first place, it makes no mention of God. It makes no mention of praying. It makes no mention of giving thanks to God. And yet, it's in the Bible. It's in our scriptures. And I think one of the things is that this book is here because it's an invitation to look for God's activity behind the scenes, it's an invitation to look for God's activity when we can't see him, when we think that God is absent, when we think that we've been abandoned, that that's actually what this book is looking at in many ways. It's a, you know, and it's also an invitation to see that God will use anybody who's willing, whether it looks like they know him or it looks like they don't. And so just think about some of those things as I'm speaking this morning. I will give you a bit of a rundown, because I don't know how many of you have read Esther anytime recently. Um, it's ten chapters, um, and I'm speaking on one of them. Well, kind of one or two verses from one of them. So I'll give you a sort of overview, background, and then we'll read the passage. So basically we've got Esther. She's a young orphan Jew being brought up by her uncle Mordecai. Um, in exile, away from her family land, away from where her heritage is. And in this land, the king got upset with the queen one day and banished her. And then he wanted a new queen. So Esther was taken into the the king's harem and was then elevated to the position of queen. So this is a young girl, don't know how old, but she would not have been in her mid-twenties, mid-thirties. She'd have been younger than that. Um, she didn't say that she was Jewish, um, and that was because her uncle had suggested, no, don't, don't say that, don't muddy the waters anything. Over time, we see that there was a time when Mordecai had heard of a plot, and he saved the king's life and it was written down somewhere, and then forgotten. He also, so Uncle Mordecai, had angered Haman, who was actually second in command in the kingdom, because he would would not bow down to him. It doesn't say why he wouldn't bow down to him, but he wouldn't bow down to him. And so Haman got really ticked off about this and decided that he wanted to get rid of Mordecai. But instead of just trying to get rid of Mordecai, he decided he was going to get rid of all the Jews. A whole lot, all at one fell swoop. And they would all be killed by their neighbours on a certain day. About 11 months hence. Okay? This is where the, the chapter that I'm reading this morning starts. Chapter 4. When Mordecai had learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth pl- and ashes, and went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly but he went only as far as the king's gate because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it in every province to which the edict and order of the king came there was a great mourning among the jews with fasting weeping and wailing many lay in sackcloth and ashes when esther's eunuchs eunuchs and female attendants came and told her about mordecai she was in great distress she sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth but he would not accept them Then Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, assigned to attend her and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for the annihilation which had been published in Susa to show to Esther and explain it to her he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law. They be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you might have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. So that's chapter four. The rest of the book tells us how there were just apparent coincidences that saved Mordecai's life before Esther could even go to the king. How Esther flattered and used what she had to speak to the king. How Haman was defeated. How the Jews were saved and Mordecai was promoted to second behind the king in the kingdom. And how the festival of Purim came into being for the Jews to celebrate. And Derek mentioned this one last week. When he was talking about things that help us to remember what God has done for us. So I was thinking about Esther. And it's it's like, yes, she was, in theory, the most powerful woman in the kingdom. But she was still subject to very severe restrictions. About who she spent time with, where she went. Going and spending time with her husband. All of those things, very restricted. She couldn't choose what she did she felt weak and vulnerable and you've got to remember her husband was someone who was rather erratic and tended to act on a whim by what had gone on she felt vulnerable even though she was the most powerful woman in the kingdom she still felt she didn't have a voice but Mordecai encouraged her to speak up And I think there are many people today that may feel vulnerable. They may feel they don't have a voice. And that might be people here. It might be people out in our community. People that we work with. But that is still true of a lot of people. I really liked it last week when Derek said that life is a journey. And it's about living it. It's not about the destination per se. It's actually about how we live our lives now. And it's about living this journey with god and so today we're actually going to be looking at some of the things that we can come across in that journey what happens when we see something that is wrong that's unjust that's harmful and what about when god feels absent so for the jews at this time they didn't really know god they were in exile some of the Jews had returned by this point back to the land of Israel. People like Nehemiah and Ezra, which are the books directly before Esther in the book in the Bible. But many hadn't. And Esther and those that we're talking about today, these are the ones that hadn't gone back. They hadn't felt that real call to go back to the land of their forefathers, to the land of the God that they worshipped. They were stuck in exile. And... God felt absent, didn't feel like he was there because he was back in Jerusalem. But actually, it is thought, you know, some of the scholars will say, actually, that's why God's not mentioned, that it was really deliberate on the part of the author to not mention God because that's how they were feeling. But it doesn't mean to say that God wasn't there. It speaks to that human experience that God doesn't always seem present. We see when we look at Esther's story, they weren't living life according to Jewish law, according to God's law. She ate what was given. She didn't say she was Jewish. It's clear they weren't living life in God's way. But they did still see themselves as Jews. So as we look through the book, we see there's loads of little coincidences That God used to bring deliverance for his people. Mordecai happened to be the one that heard the plot. Just happened to be in the right place at the right time. He happened to then actually say that. And the night before Haman wanted to kill Mordecai, the king couldn't sleep. Just coincidentally. And he asked for them to read the story of what had been going on in his kingdom happened to be at the point in time where that was mentioned that Mordecai had saved him and that saved Mordecai's life now God's not mentioned but doesn't mean to say God wasn't active in that it doesn't mean to say God hadn't sort of poked them to say actually no you're not going to sleep tonight you are going to listen to this you are going to make a difference so I think there is lots of evidence that God was working even though God's not mentioned. And what we see is that God used those that were prepared to step out for God or for justice. Might not have known why they were speaking out, might not have known what was going on, but Mordecai spoke out even though he didn't know God in this. It doesn't look like it. Esther spoke out even though it didn't look like she really understood who God was. When we read other writings that were written not long after the book of Esther was written, it's clear that they understood it as she knew she was stepping out for God. But God worked through all the people who did what they could do. And I think this is something I know I've always struggled with, is I look at people and I go, oh, it would be so amazing if I could do that. And every once in a while, God sort of, So it says to me, that's not your job. That's not the job I've asked you to do. You do the job I've asked you to do. Let them do the job God has asked them to do. Mordecai spoke out to Esther. He had that privileged position. He could do that. The Jews, they fasted. They mourned. Esther spoke out to the king. Mordecai couldn't have done that. The other Jews couldn't have done that. She did what she could do. He did what he could do. Her servants fasted alongside her. They might not have had much choice, I don't know, but they did that. And she then stepped out, and probably shaking like a leaf, because she knew the consequences could have been quite severe. And that's really difficult to do. And for everybody, different things will be that trigger point of what makes us shake like leaves when we're trying to do something that we believe is right, when we believe that we're doing what God has asked us to do. And the thing is, I think what this book shows us is that when we feel that God is absent, when we feel like we're far from God, we can still do what we know to be right. We can still use our voice for those who don't have a voice. Nearly every single one of us has some level of privilege, whether we realize it or not. And we have some level of voice. We can use that voice to speak out for people. And just because God feels absent, it doesn't mean to say that God is not there. We sang earlier of God's faithfulness. You know, through the years, you've always been there. And you will always be there. That is true no matter what, even when we don't feel it. We can look out for coincidences. We can look out for those times when God is working, when we think, I haven't been down that road for ages and I suddenly bumped into somebody, or I've done this and I've just suddenly rung somebody and it was the right time. I'd made an appointment with somebody and it just was the right time those kind of things, and we can actually say, okay, I don't feel that that's God working, but I know that God is working. And rather than trying to do what someone else can do, we should be doing what we can do. And it has to be us that does the things that we can do, not somebody else. I can't ask Chris or my girls to do the things that God has asked me to do. I can't ask you to do things that God has asked me to do. What I can do is say, go do the things God has asked you to do. And, you know, when Mordecai told her that maybe she was in a position for such a time as this, in verse 14, we can feel that as a bit of a, oh, that's such a big thing that's being put on somebody. But actually, it's It's a one thing. She wasn't asked to go and stand up in front of the king and risk her life every day. It was this specific thing at this specific time. We are called to do what we can in the time we are living and in the position that we are in now. And I think, you know, sometimes we can look at it and think, okay, well, that all worked out well. So what if it hadn't worked out so well? You know? Um, And Esther actually had thought about that before she went to the king. If I perish, I perish, verse 16. And I don't think this is a fatalism. I think this is more a way of actually Esther saying, this is so important that I need to live my life totally for this. I need to be completely sold out for this. And actually, if it all goes belly up, and I die, then actually it was still worth living for. And sometimes doing what God has asked us to do, doing the right thing, doesn't mean things go well. And I suspect most of us in this country are not likely to lose our life over it. We're not putting our life on the line by these things. But we might sometimes be risking friendships. We might sometimes be risking other things. And actually, if it doesn't go well, it doesn't mean to say that's not God speaking. It's actually sometimes we actually have to say, no, this is worth it anyway. Do we see living our lives as something, you know, living our lives for God as something that we want to do? Is that worth it? Jesus tells us to count the cost. Esther decided that that cost was worth it, even if it meant death. We don't know what would have happened if Esther hadn't spoken out because she did. But what we do know is that Mordecai was sure deliverance would still come. And Mordecai saw that small chance and encouraged her and supported her as she went for that. So obviously afterwards, it all went well. Spoiler alert. Um, and, you know, the Jews were saved. They instigated this Purim feast. Remembering those things, like Derek talked of last week, does help us to remember that when we feel like God is absent, actually God is with us because we know he's done it in the past. We know he's been with us in the past, and we're going to remember these things. We're going to mark these festivals. We're going to mark these times to say, I know God has done it in the past, and I'm going to hold on to that. And the Jews celebrate Purim because of that. And whenever I'm preaching, whenever I'm doing stuff with home group, whenever I'm, I'm reading the Old Testament, whenever I'm doing other stuff, I will always tend to look and see, how do I see Jesus in this? And what I see is that Jesus in John 5 said that he was looking to see what the Father was doing. He only did what he saw the Father doing. And then did that. Now, Esther might not have thought of it like that, but actually it does seem to be that that's what she was doing. She did what God was asking of her. She was using her voice to be able to speak up for the vulnerable. So this morning, as we sort of finish here, what's our response to this? And I think what I'm going to ask is to say, actually look to see what God is doing and to join in what God is doing using whatever skills, whatever gifts we have, whatever God has asked us as individuals to do. Look to see what God is doing and join in. To pray, to listen, to act, to do it as a team. Esther might have had to go and stood before the king on her own, but she was doing that with a team. You know, Esther's talked a couple of weeks ago about Aaron and her holding up Moses' arms as he was praying. They supported him. In this story, we see Mordecai, we see the Jews, we see Esther's servants supporting her, fasting for her as she went and did this. Let's do this as team. Let's do this as home groups. Let's do this as friendship groups. Let's do this as a community together as we reach out into our community. So look to see what God is doing behind the scenes in our life, the bits that aren't labeled as God bits, but actually God is still working. Have a look this week. See where God is working. Be encouraged by where God is working. And if we don't know what to do, when God seems absent, when we can't hear him, when we just don't know, we can always come back to Micah 6, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. That was written before the book of Esther, written before the exile. Did Esther know it? I don't know. But she chose to act justly She chose to love mercy. We don't know whether she walked humbly with her God, but we know she was prepared to fast. And I think those things are just completely timeless. And God asks us to do those things even when we can't feel him with us. So the question I'm asking me, and I'm asking you, as I finish this morning, is that am I willing to be living for God even when there's a risk to that? Am I willing to step out? Esther understood that, and she understood that living for God, stepping out for justice and mercy, was worth living and dying for. So on that very happy note, I'm going to hand back to Stu.